0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponko Chicken. Ponko Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, There are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now, there's one in Buckhead, there's one in Shambly, there's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponko is awesome and uh they're like family. So um go check out Ponko if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese American chicken tender, just to brag on them a little bit more. They were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta Award winner, uh, Midtown Alliance Best Taste winner, just they won all the awards because Ponko is great and Ponko is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do. Um more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, It helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, You can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play. Everywhere where you can get your podcast, the Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So go do that today um all right i think that's everything we can get into today's episode uncle darren let's go chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast (laughs) um (laughs) my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right welcome back to a friday night edition of the chase thomas podcast oh yeah friday night we're living large we're talking about the baltimore orioles the toronto blue jays the middle of the order for the Tampa Bay Rays all the injuries in New York the Boston Red Sox literally not even having a rotation anymore um, we got to go through all of this because uh, what else are we going to do on a Friday night in uh, in the COVID 19 world that we're, we're all living in John Taylor
1: I was going to say when you say living it up on a Friday night yeah we don't really have any other choice <laughs> this, is, <clears throat> this is our social lives now it's just interacting digitally and Thinking about the way the world used to be, um, it's like it's like Waterworld. We're all just kind of just reminiscing about the way things. Well, I guess people in Waterworld didn't really remember the past, did they? I don't know. It's been a long time since
0: I watched Waterworld. What is Waterworld? I have no idea what that is. Oh, you never seen Waterworld? No. Oh
1: man, no. It's it's a mid '90s movie. It's one of the all-time like great bus in film history. It was a Kevin Costner film from like 1994 mm. about. A, a post-apocalyptic, a post-apocalyptic, i say that 10 times fast, dystopian world where I believe all the ice caps have melted and the world was covered in water. And so man just lived basically on boats. It's like Mad Max, but on the ocean.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: It's, it's very bad. Dennis Hopper is the main bad guy. Kevin Costner's character has gills. And at mm. one point to create water, like drinkable, potable water, because obviously they're on the ocean he pees into a system that, filter, that filters the urine into
0: drinkable water. Okay. Yeah. As one does. Um,
1: I cannot recommend it at all. It's <laughs> not
0: a good film. <laughs> okay. So. Um, all right. I mean, it could. I could add to my list. Guess what, John? I have a lot of time. I can watch movies that aren't actually good.
1: Boy, do we all have a lot
0: of fucking time. That's like the worst part about all of this is the amount of time we have to think about things. And uh, you know what's great when you're busy not thinking about things. You know when Americans are happy when they're not thinking about things. That is that is what makes people happy is not having the time to think about all the things that they would rather not think about.
1: Yeah, we're we're just not we're just not good. Like everything I've seen, and granted, I know this is not. This is not sports. but everything I've seen suggests this country is just not good at any part of this. Like every everything that we need to be good at this, like you know, the, the that kind of collective sacrifice and the that kind of that need not to be distracted all the time. That's not really something this society does well. I don't think. I don't know which society would do that well though.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well. Let's talk about some happier things briefly. Let's, uh, let's escape. Let's, uh, let's do some escapism and talk about the AL East because baseball, we, we assume is going to come back at some point. Um, hopefully, uh, maybe early June. It's what it seems like. Best case scenario. Um, can't wait for some blizzard baseball, playoff baseball in November this year. That's going to be great. Can't wait to see that. Um, But I kind of want to just, I have a lot of different notes on each of the teams in the AL East, and I think the AL East, um, more than the other divisions outside of the AL West, which I think is the most interesting division going into the year, the AL East has some interesting upside depending on how you feel about the Rays and the Yankees. I think we can go ahead and cross off your beloved Red Sox in this conversation, but I want to start with the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays only won 67 games last year. It felt like they won more for some reason to me. So when I was going back through, I was like, oh. Why did I think they were like closer to 500 than they actually were? And they they had a weird off season. Like they signed Ryu, and we'll talk about that in a second. Like they signed Travis Shaw. They they have a lot of young, interesting pieces that are going to be at the top of their lineup this year. Um, they took a flyer on Chase Anderson. Like there's all kinds of interesting things about this team to me that I want to start with the Blue Jays because I wonder if they're a team that's like a year, maybe two years away from making a surprise jump back up atop of the ale um maybe not to the extent they were a couple years ago but this is an ownership group that i think will spend and if the young guys at the top of this order like bichette bgo and vlad and you also have guriel up there too they all pop at the same time then maybe they go they put a little bit more chips in earlier than we expect um do you think the blue jays are as close as i'm making them out to be
1: I think you're probably right about that whole one year away thing and that they definitely have felt for, not not felt for a bit, but last year definitely had that one year away feel. They, they're kind of Padres reminiscent in that regard, mm. where it just feels like it's one year away. And I know what you mean about not thinking that they were that bad last year because they had all of a sudden in the second half all these interesting pieces in, in Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette and, and surprisingly a bit Kevin Vigio but... You know, they're gonna have those pieces again this year, plus at some point Nate Pearson plus Ryu, plus you know, that offense can actually hit a little bit. I think if there's one thing or a couple of things holding the back. One is that the rotation depth behind Ryu is not great, you know. Um not a big and Chase Anderson guy. Not a big Chase Anderson guy, not a big uh well Matt Shoemaker if he's healthy, sure. But you know, they kind of they, they thinned out that rotation depth when they traded Marcus Stroman and granted they got Anthony Kay and Sean Reed Foley back and those are you know both good pitchers but
0: um was it Sean Reed Foley actually no I don't think it was it was Anthony Kay no, and- it was, it was. well Sean Reed Foley's on the team. But he, he is but he I can't I'm mean, um, sure to the minors. yeah.
1: Yeah. I might have that wrong but either way they got Anthony Kay back. That was the bigger name of that one anyway. And two, I think their bullpen is just not very good. Um Ken Giles is good and I would expect if we actually do overplay this season you know, if Toronto is not in it around whatever the trade deadline ends up being, then Giles will probably be a guy to go, to kind of help them get that last bit of, you know, prospect capital they can because really, aside from him, there's no one else really left on that team that they can move
0: for any kind of prospect capital. Um, I I just I guess we'll have to see, see with Yamaguchi there. and Bass too, though they might not be. Yeah, I yet.
1: just no, but I just I, it's a fine bullpen. It's just not a good one beyond mm-hmm. Giles. I don't think it's a contending bullpen. Um But I think there's definitely, I mean, if you, the problem that Blue Jays run into is the Yankees are ahead of them, the Yankees are better. The the Rays are ahead of them, the Rays are better. The Twins are almost certainly better. So are the Astros, so are the A's. The Indians probably are better. The Angels, I think they're right there with the Angels probably and the Red Sox and that kind of, you know, low to mid-80s win total group. Which is fine. I mean, that's certainly better than what the Blue Jays have been in the past. And I, I should say, though, I, I think like an 83 win total is probably their. if not ceiling, at least like I would not expect a whole lot more than that. I think that's probably the best this team can do.
0: I mean, that's a 60 win jump. That's huge for them. If that's that's what they huge. Get to. That's
1: the thing. Like, I think it's more likely this team wins like 78 games is maybe plays a little spoiler and whatever the second half ends up being. But I just think that the problem is even if they do, even if they do overperform, you know, even if they do get um, the kind of seasons we expect from Vlad Jr. and from Bichette and from Biggio and from, you know, they get a bounce back from Travis Shaw, you I know, mean, Danny Jansen uh, produces to his, to his caliber, if they get, you know, if they figure out an outfield that's a little better than Randall Gritchuk and Teoscar Hernandez, or if those guys suddenly overperform their projections, they're is,
0: it almost 30 dingers. Like that's the other which, thing It's like their whole middle of their lineup is, like, is going to hit runs, but I home would runs. imagine that that comes with a pretty league average
1: offense on both sides because those guys are notorious yeah. hackers. Like that's a thirty homer season with like a one hundred and five OPS plus. <laughs> granted, is, is better than twenty homers and like a ninety five OPS plus, but at the same time, it's and and that's what's going to be interesting. Whenever, if whenever this season happens, is you know we had the juice ball last year. Is so that's still going to be the case this year? You know mm. that. But that's that's a that's a whole much bigger topic for another time. But. I think I will say the problem with the Blue Jays is they have a lot of teams ahead of them. They need a lot of things to go right for them to get into that contender kind of discussion space, territory, whatever you want to call it. And I I personally just don't have a lot of faith that that ownership will spend. Um, I think they won't unless they get to a point where it's obvious that they are one of the best teams in the the league. I don't think they're going to make moves that are going to, I think they're going to try to cruise on the cheap salaries they have right now with regards to um, how little, for example, Vlad Jr. and Bichette and Bichio are going to be making for the next forever. So I, I think they, I certainly think Toronto can be a, a better team than last year. I think it'd be hard for them to be a worse team unless everyone gets hurt. Um, and I guess that's the other thing you worry about is like, especially a guy like Ryu who's just been so injury prone in his career. And Grants have got through a full healthy season last year, but you know, is that something you want to bet on going forward? Especially considering he is certainly going to take at some degree a step backward going from Dodger Stadium in the NL West to Rogers Center in the AL East. I mean, and having to face um, the DH every every start as opposed to getting a pitcher two or three times in there. I don't know. I mean. Like I said, I think this, I think the blue Jays, if you probably, you know, if you want to throw a win loss on them, I think they probably win somewhere between 75 and 78 games. I think that seems fair to me or out of what would be a 162 game season, obviously who knows, but I just have a hard time seeing them taking that next step. I think this is a team for 2021. Well, let me rephrase that. I hate all the, the conditionals I have to keep throwing into this. Um, I think this is not a team for this season to contend. I think it's a team for next season and beyond. Um, if their guys keep developing, if Nate Pearson ends up being what everyone thinks he could be, you know, they're, they're going to have, I mean, you mean mentioned if
0: there's one thing McGuire, as, who up there
1: too, Yep. Um, I think the one thing going for Toronto in next, whenever the next off season is assuming again, but, I should just say like blanket conditional going forward but there's going to be a decent amount of pitching on the market come, you know, after the 2020 season, including uh, I think the most interesting one is James Paxton for Toronto, if only because they could sell that easily as, you know, uh, Canadian player coming home. Yeah. But, you know, there's going to be some decent veteran pitching that they can use to kind of bolster stuff. If, you know, the rest of their young arms don't really develop as, as they should, or, you know, if they all kind of don't move forward this year, I think if they do move Giles, they'll probably target some kind of high upside starter because their their offense is pretty well pretty well built out now. But yeah, I can I can see Toronto being a team for next season, not not so much this season. I think this season they're going to be better. And I think certainly there's you know crazier things have happened, but I just I just don't see that team having enough pitching right now. And I think that the the path in front of them is too crowded. They they have a lot of teams they have to beat out, including, I mean, they're at best at best the third best team in their own division. And more realistically, like I know I know we'll get to it, but I, I think the Red Sox are probably still a little bit better. Mm. So I, I think see it, like
0: if there is one team that benefits a lot from the Red Sox sale going down and just their disastrous offseason, it's the Blue Jays. Like they are a team sure. I mean, more than anybody else that benefits. Like the Rays are gonna be good either way, Yankees are gonna be good either way, but the Blue Jays, like that's how you have a sixteen win bump with the Red Sox winning eighty four games last year. Like especially the Blue Jays especially when you are in yeah. Especially
1: when you consider they got to play each other 19 times, and right. so you got you know that maybe the Red Sox with with a healthy sale are 12 and seven against Toronto. Maybe now it's a eight and eleven. You know, mm. like you're saying, that's a four win swing because and and again, I'm sure we'll get to it. That Red Sox rotation and bullpen is really bad. Well,
0: actually, you the bullpen. We're so excited to go off the Red Sox. Like I don't um, even have like a lot of notes. I'm just leaving, leaving bad, the floor bad. to you for the Red Sox.
1: Yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's, that definitely does change the calculus a little for the blue Jays if the red Sox just kind of collapse essentially. But again, I still think at best they're the third best team in the AL East. And that just does not get them very far. You know, that's, we're talking maybe the second wild card if everything breaks, right. You know, and that's that, and that still needs a lot of, that there's a lot of ifs to turn into reality, um, which I'm, I'm just not hundred percent confident about.
0: But I do love that they sign Rio. I love that they've been active. I love that I get the sense that I mean they've made like so if you look at their forty man roster breakdown, eight are free agents, twelve are homegrown, eighteen are through trades. Like they are all over the place. And I think they're flexible in that if things swing the right way to start the season, I could just see them doing something else big and trading some of their other young prospect capital for something else. Like maybe they keep Giles. Maybe they're just like if they want to get in the playoffs and get that second wild card spot. Like if there's a real chance. Like it depends on like what Vlad does. Like he's twenty one. We're just I mean, if he has an Acuna like or Soto like bump this year, everything's different. <laughs> everything's different. Like, yeah.
1: But like think about the like even if he does have that, like compared to the Braves last year, like, you know, Acuna had that had that bump that took him from top prospect to MVP, mm. you know, or MVP caliber, but more had to have, like the Braves also had to have Josh Donaldson put together a Josh Donaldson year. They had to have Albies take a step forward. They had to have uh, that rotation come together a little bit more. They got the midseason bump. That was Dallas Keuchel. You know, they, a lot had to go right for that Braves team. Not a lot had to go right, but a lot did go right for that Braves team. And they That's, won.
0: I could see that with the blue. I the game, I,
1: whatever I, yeah. it was. And I think those those Braves teams were more talented anyway. You know, I think last year's Braves team was just had more had better
0: pieces and parts than this year's Blue Jays team. Again, because I, I like think, the Blue Jays young core more than the Braves.
1: I but I think the Braves rotation is better or was better than whatever the Blue Jays can. True. Throw out.
0: I would agree. But you I can fix that rotation. I think there's gonna be guys to you kind of
1: cringe. There's also the fact mm. that the Braves just had so much young pitching they could just pull up whenever, you know, if they felt like
0: it. You right. know. But we also don't know what uh, those guys
1: are. We don't, but I, I don't know. You know, I, I, Nate Pearson might be better than any individual pitching prospect the Braves have, but mm. do the Blue Jays have the quantity of guys like Mike Soroka and Max Fried and when he was pretty good, Michael like Navitz and
0: like, you know. I don't think they want that. I think that's why they signed Ryu, and that's why they traded for Chase well, Anderson they, and signed Tanner Roy. I think that, but they had to make those moves,
1: I think, to a certain point because I think they saw last year... You know, because after they traded, especially after they traded Stroman, they didn't really have any starters left. Right. And I know they they had to use the opener a lot to middling success because the opener really, a lot of teams try to copy it. It really only works with a with a specific set of personnel, which I think should have been the main takeaway from what the Rays were doing, not just hey, let's just do the opener. That That's kind of the thing. I feel like the, the Blue Jays had no real choice, you know, and, and granted, I, I commend them to a certain degree for recognizing that they had to do something like sign Ryu, that they could not go into next season with the rotation they had in place after 2019. But it still feels like, you know, Chase Anderson, Tanner Roark, they're fine pitchers. There's nothing necessarily wrong with them, but they are not the building blocks of a successful contender. They have decently high floors, but very low ceilings. You know, you're you're just, you're asking for base competency every time out. And I think that's probably the difference between them and Atlanta, where Atlanta, like maybe the floor was a little lower because you don't necessarily know what you're going to get out of a 22-year-old. But obviously the ceiling for a guy like Mike Soroka or Max Freed is way higher than it is for a guy like Tanner Rohr, you know? So what you're um, saying is
0: they got to bring back Clay Buckholes. They got
1: to bring back Clay Buchholz. I don't I don't feel like you can really truly be a contender unless Clay buckles just randomly appearing every fifth day give up three runs in four innings against the fucking White Sox or whatever. You know, we, we talk a lot about, or not talk, well, we talk a lot about online about how we miss baseball, but then, you know, baseball comes back and it's it's Julius Chassin giving up three runs in five innings <laughs> to the Pirates. And you're like, no, I, I didn't actually miss this. This is not, this is not interesting <laughs> to me.
0: Um, any other final thoughts on the Blue Jays? Anything you no, haven't I, touched on?
1: I don't think so. I mean, like I said, I think, I think they, you know, whenever the season comes back, I think, you know, they've got that young core that obviously, look, I mean, obviously you're given a choice between a team with a young core and a team with an old core, you know, the young core has the more upside anyway. Like you want that upside and the upside is good. Um, I just don't think that they're going to meet it necessarily all this year. And if they do, that means a lot of things went right, but I'm just, I just generally tend to bank on, um, what's it called on improvement being more of a gradual thing than just happening all at once, especially when something like Toronto want to require like five different guys, just, you know, jumping into being, you know, elite caliber players all at once. And I just, I just don't see that happening, but they, there's certainly a lot to build on for them. And I certainly think come 2021, you know, that that's a team where we're, we're talking about them seriously as contenders. If they, if everything moves in the right direction, and if they make the right moves in the offseason
0: yeah i um I will go ahead and say that they're gonna be a team that like does a surprise like go for it now type move this season if it happens. I think they're gonna be aggressive. I think they're gonna trade for a pitcher another like quality like if they're in the race, which I think they will be for a wild card, they're gonna take a swing for the fences at one of these teams that are not performing all that well and are looking to sell off and trade one of their veterans i that would be my guess um next up the Orioles. I don't Ugh, have to ask you how close the Orioles are because uh, they're not close. Um, the Baltimore Orioles are a very bad baseball team. They're going to be a very bad baseball team this year. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like when it comes to previewing the
1: Orioles, like there's no, the Orioles themselves have made it a, like abundantly clear that there's no point in talking about the current Orioles. The current Orioles exist as just something to fill time and space. They are a. They are legally mandated to play these games, <laughs> but that doesn't mean there's anything going on that you have to pay attention to or care about. And like that might feel harsh, but like really, look at this Orioles roster. With Trey Mancini now out after um, after undergoing surgery to remove, I think it was a, t- a tumor in his cancer or tumor in his cancer. Jesus, a tumor in his colon, <laughs> a cancer's tumor in his colon. Wow, that's that's a good one. Um, who are the young players like currently on this roster where you're thinking to yourself, this is someone who's not just someone I need to pay attention to now, but who's gonna be here going forward. Chance Sisko. I mean, like, that's and even he's gonna lose his job <laughs> to Adley Rutschman down the road,
0: you know? Yeah. Chanceco is basically um, on someone in the outfield a It's either backup. Santander, it's either Austin Hayes, or it's um DJ Stewart. It's one of those Yeah, players. and
1: then maybe and then maybe a guy like Hunter Harvey, if he stays healthy. But really, that you, that's about it. Like, who even is in the Orioles' rotation beyond John Means, 2019 All-Star John Means,
0: who was also 11th round pick. So, if you look at the rotation, 11th rounder, none of them are homegrown. None of them, um, outside of John Means, uh, which sure. Alex Cobb, not good. Projected that a 5.14 ERA from Tampa Bay years ago. Toronto Wojciechowski, um first round pick from 10 years ago. Project- yeah, that
1: six. I, he's not he's not bad he's got a good curveball they're he, projecting he for nice him start to a for the a six
0: year they have him not... as the worst projections in the in the rotation this year he did some interesting stuff last year i'll give him at least that compared to what the, rest like of the Orioles,
1: compared to like alex cobb where you know what you're getting and it's just going to be mediocre garbage wachowski is actually at least capable of like or what's I'm not actually, I'm just going to go with which out, which it's W.O.J.C.I.E.C.O.W.K.
0: H-O-W-S-K-I. It's a weird, I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I, just, I just started throwing out consonants at the end. I didn't <laughs> know what they were, where they were going. But yeah, I, he at least has an interesting curveball and has put together some starts last year where you could see some semblance of like, okay, this guy has a little talent, you know? This guy has a little upside that most Oriole staffs in the last three years really have not. Okay, but you got you got means you have Cobb, you have Woj, you have who's who are the other two guys to fill it out right now?
0: Uh Wade LeBlanc.
1: Oh, Wade the White. Wow, I forgot. And uh, Cole Orioles.
0: Stewart, who is apparently a person.
1: Yeah, K O H L. He was a former first round pick like yeah. four years ago or something. Um Yeah, that's there's nothing there to make it like like you said. It's Austin Hayes, it's D J Stewart, it's Ryan Mountcastle. Whenever he comes, gets called up. That's really it. Like I, I, to a certain point, like I don't know if you if you're writing about the 2020 Orioles and if you are, God help you. What do you what
0: what do you highlight? Well, hold on. You a lot are, of good writers. Let me go ahead and pause on that one. There are a lot of great Orioles writers. There's a lot of no, great saying, Orioles I'm coverage. That,
1: I'm not saying. that. i they're bad. God bless covering them. Because the I actually love reading Orioles stuff.
0: It's more that they have yeah. such a difficult task
1: in front of them to try to find something about this team to to highlight and even just even just a matter of like you know the on that orioles roster who there is going to be around long enough for you to, to for even to be worth highlighting you know i know hanser alberto had a surprisingly good season last year and might actually be the best position player on this team which is horrifying to think about but really hanser alberto is not a part of the next great orioles team whenever that happens you know he's just yeah. a guy who's there to take at bats because there's no this is This is for those who don't, who never saw them or who don't remember them or just didn't pay attention. And granted, not a lot of people did for good reason. This is what those pre-World Series Astros teams were like. This is a carbon copy of those teams. Just nothing. There was nothing about those teams that was interesting, useful, or good. You know, you could argue, I mean, if you want to go back and if you want to go and say, well, hey, they had Jose Altuve on that team. Nobody thought Jose Altuve was anything at the time. Not even the Astros thought he was anything at the time. He was just a guy who was there and who put up surprisingly good numbers, and they were like, "Well, I guess we can keep him around." Everything else about that team and that franchise at that time was just disposable, and that's what the Orioles are doing. They are just they are they are just a carbon copy of what the Astros did, where they just they are literally just playing out a string until some better guys show up, and if that means you lose 110 games in the process, so be it. So. That's my thing. I I don't really know what one can say about the 2020 Orioles other than they will be there. They will show up to all 162 games because they don't have a choice or however many games get played. They will lose a great majority of them. Most of their games will be completely unwatchable. And they're probably going to end up with the number one pick unless Detroit does. So, hey. It could be worse, I guess. I mean, it could be worse than that maybe they could not even have something like Rutschman to look forward to or an improving farm system or what have you. But boy, when it comes to the present, what do you focus on in Baltimore,
0: you know? Did they have the game last year where they got, what was like a crazy final score, like 30 to nothing? Was that last year with the Orioles? What I'm,
1: sure, like? I'm sure there were at least one or two games where they lost by some absurd amount where everyone was just like, what was even the point of playing this?
0: What was our longest losing streak last year? I'm actually kind of curious. Let's see.
1: It's funny they actually weren't as bad last year as they were the year before. Just kind of amazing. Yeah. Oh
0: my but, god. But it's not getting better. And, and you still like. I mean, I guess Elias is staying, right? Like, there's he's not going to get. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's this is this is his baby. This is this is the yeah. path he has created. Like him and Sigmejdal. There's no. You know, they're not going to get fired. Anything. I mean, I I would like to think or hope at least that the Angelo, whichever of the Angeloses are in charge right now. You know, understand that this is you know, that this is what they have to just keep doing, This that they can't just stop and turn it around from here.
0: But can you know, explain to me why Iglesias was like their only signing? Why didn't they go sign at least some other stuff? Like do something.
1: Think about what think about it. What's the point? You I know, mean, I, I, still, I, I, mean, I I believe really in the good value
0: good. of having veterans in a young locker room. I I still think they But is, is there
1: really that value for a bunch of guys who won't even be there going forward? I mean, I yeah, that, I think this is something like, where Endurance in,
0: in, Yarte, Indur- in. take him off our hands. We'll trade you Endurance Yarte. Go, go bring Nick Markakis back. I'm sure the people of Baltimore. Oh, absolutely. Go, go ahead and I will rocket him into the sun. There you go. Baltimore, but, you can have Nick Markakis, veteran clubhouse but, leader or sign Adam Jones. Feeling... Honestly, he should be forced to play. Not even forced because he loved Baltimore. And that uh, guy no, loved thing, Baltimore thing, way more than uh, he uh, should have. Bring him back.
1: Baltimore did not end on a happy note. I don't
0: No, It did not. Bring him back though. Don't care.
1: Um, I think I think that strategy, and I I, I agree that there's value to, and you, you definitely see it I think in the NBA a lot too. I think that's something you see for the 2021 Orioles, the 2022 Orioles, when they actually have kind of you know winnowed, when they've separated the 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 grain from the chaff so to speak, and figured out what it is that they have that's valuable going forward and guys they want to keep. I, I think for now it's like look I. I have made many a statement about the Orioles and the way they've conducted things and the whole tanking aspect that I, just, I don't really want to dive back into in depth. But just to say that like, it is pretty crappy to your fans to put out an intentionally bad product and that at least signing guys like, jeez, eh, I don't know. Who's a mediocre, who is a mediocre free agent this offseason who at least is worth like two wins? Um, maybe not Logan Morris every know. season ever. Yeah, like or like a Wade Miley. I guess I shouldn't say Wade Miley. The mm, Orioles already CJ tried Kron. that particular experiment. Yeah, but regardless, I, no, I, I agree that it, it's generally just kind of crappy just to do nothing. Like when your team loses a hundred and five or seven or however many games the Orioles lost last year, and you just do nothing to try to improve that, that's that's very rude to your fans. You know, you're paying customers. You're you're the consumer. But on the other hand, like, what 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 would be the point? You know. What's the point, ultimately? Like, if, if this is uh, the path the Orioles have chosen, I'm okay with
0: paying veterans. Pay more veterans.
1: Pay more veterans, but at the same time, I can understand the Orioles' front office mentality of who cares at this point. Let's just soldier through it, you know, because our eyes are not on 2020. They're on 2022 and beyond, you know. It, it's on the first day Adley Rutschman gets up here and he joins Stewart and Hayes and Mountcastle and whatever pitchers they've developed by that point, you know. And then maybe then maybe we talk about signing some veterans to fill the holes that the the farm system could. But yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you say about the twenty twenty Orioles other than that they exist?
0: I just can't believe this rotation is going to be this bad. Like that's what I'm offended by. Like you don't have to sign Ryu or somebody like that, but it's not going to change your long-term trajectory by signing somebody like that because like you're still going to lose a shit ton of games like sign one of them get some building blocks like, i think there's nothing wrong with like going out there for somebody just show your fans that like hey because it's not it's not going to change your organizational structure and where you're going on your um your development plan by signing i mean you're not going to get Garrett Cole, but like somebody interesting, like some kind of starter. Like you said, you want a middle th- I would have been like, no, we're going to sign somebody good and like prove to our fans that like, we're, we're going to get I, this I thing mean, I, right. I don't, I would have signed somebody.
1: I, I also feel like the mindset is probably why waste a year of that guy's life. Two years, probably. What's the he has point? A choice. He doesn't have to sign there. But that's the thing. Like what, what good pitcher is going to sign with the 2020 Baltimore Orioles?
0: If you, you know, they, him they, enough money, they know that, that I team, think you could have,
1: a, it's a last place team guaranteed, you know? No pitcher worth anything. If they have a minor league offer from the Yankees, or oh, maybe okay, maybe not that far. But if they have a, if they have two equal offers, one from a team that's not the Orioles, and one from a team that is the Orioles, they're not going to go to the Orioles. The Orioles would have to make a huge offer to get. And like, I can, I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can understand where that front office is at this point, where it's like, why would we do that? Even if they had the money and the wherewithal to sign Garrett Cole, and let's say this is some wacky universe where Garrett Cole is like, yeah, sure, I'll join the Orioles. What would be the point? You know they're going to waste the first two years of that contract. The best two years of that contract will be completely wasted. because that's the other thing you got to remember is that the the best years free agents or the best years of any free agent contract are the first two to three. Given where the orioles are, given the the particular hole they've dug themselves, there's no real point in signing any free agents right now.
0: But that's just bad to me. I just don't like, it's, it just it's feels
1: bad. Gross. It's definitely bad in that sense that you're giving your fans an intentionally subpar product, and that sucks. And I, you know, I, I hate that that's where we are in the sport, but at the same time, like, no half measures, man. Like, if you're going to...
0: I don't think it's is, a half measure by just signing one interesting starter to alleviate a starting rotation that all figures to have ERAs over five. But
1: I, don't think, but I don't think Michael Elias or anyone cares about that. I don't think they care That's that after Wachowski me, is going to have an ERA of six in 25 starts. I think they probably think, what would we rather have? That someone like, um, I don't even remember who was a free agent. Let's say, they, let's say they'd sign Ryu. Would we rather have Hyunjin Ryu there putting up 30 really good starts that effectively uh, changes nothing for this team? You know, Maybe it takes us from 60 wins to 63. Great. That that accomplishes nothing. Or would we rather just leave all of these starts open for all these young guys who may or may not be something going forward and just let them take their lumps and see if there's anything of value there? I agree that there is use just to having guys who can eat innings. And that's where I think guys like Wade LeBlanc come in because they can just pitch 150 innings. And that way you just don't have to rely purely on the young guys, especially if guys get hurt. But I can understand that idea. It's like, look, what does it matter if everyone in this rotation has a terrible ERA and gets lit up all the time? You know, we're, we were going to be bad anyway. What's the point of being slightly less bad? You know, and I, it, I hear what you're saying. It's like the point of being slightly less bad is because you're paying fans who deserve something better than that. But
0: at the same time, it's like, yeah, because at least like every five games, you know, like it's a reason to go to the ballpark. If they have like Danny Duffy or something like they trade for Duffy. The, I, I don't, don't know. think
1: I, don't, I just don't think a guy like and I know you just picked that name. um Randomly, but just to stick with it, I don't think a guy like Danny Duffy materially changes the calculus. I don't think there's any Orioles fan, you know, in the greater Balmer area who's looking yeah. at the calendar for games at Camden Yards. And the difference between them going to a game and not is knowing that Danny Duffy is pitching. You know, I, I think
0: I think unless if he's Orioles good, are, if I it's like if mid-June Royoles, and he's fans. really good there. The but like, what are the odds that
1: that's even going to be the case, you know? I think they're only really... I mean, this is probably a whole other discussion topic, but I think there are only really a handful of pitchers across the league where you're going to get fans to show up just for that anyway.
0: You know, oh, I 50, have the right uh, choice for you, by the way. It's Kevin Gaussman. Right. The returner. Okay, of.
1: great. Lovely. Bring back Dylan Bundy. Um, yes. But I, I just don't... I, I just think that, to a certain degree, too, the Orioles have kind of... And this is also just playing bad. I've just kind of accepted... There are fans who are just not going to come, or that they they basically they've they've accepted the sacrifice that is a huge chunk of the fan base that no longer has any interest in watching this team play because they don't have anything interesting to offer. Which and is in their shame, mind, Camden Yards is, is like
0: one of the best ballparks in baseball.
1: It's a nice ballpark. I enjoy Camden Yards, but I think that the Orioles as a team have just been like, you know what? Some fans won't come to games because we're not giving them anything interesting. So be it. We have made the calculus in our head that that is not. You know, we would rather not pay out these free agent salaries and, you know, try out these young kids and just, you know, save money in the process than, you know, add guys who aren't going to change anything materially, who aren't going to improve the future, but may result in, you know, a family of four from Glenn Burnie deciding to come to three additional games a year. You know, I I just feel like that's that's the calculus and it's a really cynical calculus and it's a very shitty calculus but I can't really argue against it either because I think that's just where the Orioles are is that they're just bad and nothing that they do is going to make them be anything other than bad. You know, there's you could have given the Orioles infinite dollars and in access to and told them you can sign anyone you want in free agency. And I don't think they even then would have been able to create a team that would win more than like 80 games. Um, there's just not enough talent there to make stuff like free agency worth it. Free agency is, it's how you take good teams to great you know, it's how you take mediocre teams to good. Free agency doesn't really make sense or work for bad teams because there's just not enough of a talent core there to upgrade anything. And you're basically just throwing money away at that point. Not throwing money away. You're giving your fans something to watch. You're, you're sucking up innings and at-bats that otherwise would go to below replacement caliber players. But at the same time, with the Orioles, what does it matter, you know? What are, what are 500 at-bats going to a better player really going to do Long term for the for the Baltimore Orioles, nothing. You know, they're still going to be really bad. So you might as well just like a pig in mud. You might as well just wallow around in it.
0: <sighs> God, the Royal, the Orioles ruin everything. Just talking about them is a, they're very depressing. It's a, it's a fucking bummer.
1: It is. They're, they're they were not just, they were
0: good like four years you know,
1: ago. You know what's funny is um, right now for a quarantine theater, Lindsay and I are watching the 2014 AL wildcard game because she, she'd never seen it um, because she was en route to Pittsburgh. She was going to watch the Giants-Pirates game. And so she'd never seen it. So and I, I, I saw it live when it happened. And just in the process of watching it remembering, huh, ALCS that year was the Royals and the Orioles. <laughs> that was not that long ago. Right. That was not that long ago where those two teams you know, you could argue whether or not they deserve to be there, but by dint of their position, we're the two best teams in the American League. And they lost combined like a two hundred and ten games last year. Mm. And they're both just gonna wander in the desert for quite some time because for as bad as the Orioles are, the Royals are really not much better. And I know this is not an AL Central podcast thing. Christ. <laughs> Boy. The twenty twenty Royals are pretty dim, too. But anyway.
0: God. Well, at least Bud Black is open to doubleheaders when play resumes to get the game. Hooray. Pink. That would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrible idea.
1: They should just make a rule that when baseball comes back, they just let like the Tigers and the Orioles, they don't have to play. I was going to say, like, like, can you can, imagine can just, just pick...
0: being a fan who has to sit through two Orioles games in one day, multiple like, times? They,
1: they, the bad teams should just get a choice when, whenever the 2020 season actually starts, if it ever starts. To decide whether or not they want to play, like the Orioles should just get a choice. Be like, you know what? Nah, we're we're fine. Like we'll just we'll just take a we'll just take a, we'll just skip this. We'll take a gap year. We're gonna go we're gonna go backpack around Europe and find ourselves. You guys you guys have fun with your season. We'll we'll be over here, <laughs> which would really make the scheduling that much easier. Like we're way off field right now, but like imagine a schedule for the 2020 season where you just eliminate all the bad teams. You tell them you guys will not have to play this year because you fucking suck, and nobody actually wants to see the Orioles and the Marlins or the fucking Pirates play baseball, you know? Because we want to feel better, we don't want to feel worse. So you guys don't have to play, and instead of the season is just all the good teams playing each other
0: all the time. Who's mm. complaining about that? I mean, it's better than the alternative, I would say.
1: It it is better than the alternative, which is no baseball at all, but. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that idea down and, and send it to, to Manfred, and, and that's gonna be the schedule for the 2020 season. It's just only good teams. The Perfect. the no, it's the no homers club. The no Orioles club.
0: There, that's I the, would add, um, if there was a way right. to extend Sunday night baseball games with Yankees, Red Sox, because people have forgotten um, how baseball works. Yeah, when really i when
1: I'm commissioner, Yankees, Red Sox is never going on Sunday night baseball again. <laughs> never. Never, 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 never. I am never doing that. Like, I don't fucking care. Never. I am <laughs> never making people sit through four hours of baseball on a Sunday night in an overblown, overheated rivalry between two franchises that make everyone just want to hold their nose and die. Like, no more. Please. Sunday night baseball should be about it's not just about highlighting the the you know the the good franchise and the classic rivalries. It's about getting something new in front of people's faces. Not the yeah, umpteenth iteration of Yankees Red Sox. I know I know this podcast has just gone completely in you know, a whole different direction at this point, but that's I okay. Yankees Red Sox, they're both AL East teams, so
0: mm, there we go. Um I, I I love Sunday night baseball. I would love to have like Mike Trout. Like Mike Trout should actually be on there like once a month at the bare minimum. I think that's like part of it is like getting your best players. Can it
1: can it time be time. Mike Trout but no Angels? Can it just be a Mike Trout home run derby instead? Mm. Like, do I have to watch? No, English no, no. Baseball? What if it's just Mike
0: Trout hitting golf balls?
1: Actually, I guess between Trout, Otani, and Rendon, like maybe the three of them do a home run derby. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Trout taking home run derby off off Otani. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's maybe... Just a
0: um, what is it called? A town hall where Anthony Rendon explains the difference between the LA that he picked and the LA that he didn't want to. <laughs> he didn't think he'd fit in. <laughs>
1: People listening to this podcast are like, all I've heard about is these two complaining about the bird team. Like, get to the actual good stuff. Uh,
0: well, I'll have you know, awesome listeners, that I've spent way more time going through the Blue Jays and the Orioles than I did the other ones because I thought they were more interesting. And just, I, I, I think we're just drawn to sadness right now, and those two uh-huh. organizations have been, uh, yeah, you're, bad you're really
1: you're really providing listeners who're stuck at home right now after weeks straight of, you know, not being able to socialize or go outside with some uplifting content in the form of the 2020 Orioles, who gives a crap,
0: you know? But also, who you know what? No one's going to give the kind of coverage we are towards the Orioles and the Blue Jays in 2020. You know what people are going to talk about way too much? The Blue Jays, the Rays, and the uh, I mean the the Braves, the Yankees, and the Red Sox. Like that we'll get enough of that. Like we they don't need um as much coverage as the two other teams in division in my opinion because but
1: then the flip side of that is there's nothing to say about the 2020 orioles other than they're gonna be bad
0: we just did it for 20 minutes sir we had a lot yeah, to and, say. And, that,
1: and that turned into a whole bit about where i suggested that they just not be allowed to play games in 2020 like that's not it doesn't <laughs> really reflect well on the franchise does it
0: well hold on i think the angelos have got it covered so they'll be fine Um. The Tampa Bay Rays. Some people sure. have them winning the AL this year. Um, the, the, some AL AL the Or the entire? AL in general. Like, they are wow. getting a lot of, like, they could win the okay. AL. They could. A lot of people are high on the the Rays. They almost won 100 games last year. They, they let every free agent go. Classic Tampa that's Bay the, stuff. Literally everyone thing. gone. Um, I guess what's interesting to me with them is they are a team that's completely built around their pitching like their pitching is going to be extremely good and also unlike the yankees their pitching is healthy and young for now. and for now for now i um my two biggest things for them is like what do we see from their rotation in 2020 especially the bottom two spots and also how good can austin meadows be because i think that's a huge thing for them is what Boy. level he gets to
1: the, the like, rotation wise, like you said, I don't think there's any real question that if they're healthy, Charlie Morton, Tyler, last known Blake Snell, are, that's maybe a, I don't know if any other team has a better top three than that. I'm sure right. that there is. I'm just forgetting, but that's a really good top three. Who are the bottom two in that rotation right now? I think one of them is Donnie Chirinos, who was yep. surprisingly good last year. He's a really nice split finger. Um, but who's
0: the fifth guy in that rotation? Ryan Yarbrough.
1: Is it Yarbr- Okay, but is that going to be openers with Yarbrough as the bulk guy, or is he going to be a regular starter?
0: That's a good question. I don't know. But it, it maybe? I,
1: I have to admit, I did not pay a whole lot of attention to the Rays this spring in, what, in the truncated spring we got. Um, that'll be something I was going to keep an eye on, I think, whenever baseball does come back as to kind of if they want to keep going with that opener gambit, um, or if they want to have Yarbrough just be a regular starter, whatever it is they want to do. They
0: also Brandon pay- McKay maybe baseball. sneaks in there at some point?
1: I like. Well, I think that the good thing for them is with this layoff, that's more time for Brent Honeywell to recover. And he's a yeah. you know a once former top prospect who blew out his elbow, but is on the recovery side of it. No, it's it, it's a super It's obviously good every single year that they mix and match really well. They have a lot of interesting guys with a Capital G in that bullpen who just. You know, strike a lot of dudes out. I, I, I thought it was a little weird that they got rid of Emilio Pagan. It had such a good season, especially to get back Manny Margot, who is basically the cheaper Kevin Kiermeyer, despite the fact they already have Kevin Kiermeyer and like 18 other outfielders for some reason. But no, it's, it's an interesting rotation. It's a good rotation. It's a good bullpen. It's a. The other thing, like that lineup, it's, it's a real mix and match one. It doesn't have a lot of power, but there's definitely some.
0: Well, they added power. They added. They went overseas it, to add some power.
1: Yeah, they got a... Uh, it's Yoshi Tutsugo, right?
0: Yes, and then also oh, I just, they still, I found that yeah. interesting
1: because what, what is he... Is he going to be a third baseman? Is he going to be an outfielder? DH. What is... He's going to be... Okay, so where does that leave G-Man Choi?
0: Uh, he's going to be first base.
1: So where does that leave Jose Martinez?
0: Uh, does not start.
1: <laughs> that's... Because that's, you know, they, they have a lot of, like, early hitting dudes in that outfield between Martinez and Hunter Renfro, and then they have a lot of glove... They have the glove first guys like Kiermaier and Margot, and I guess... Um, I'm sure they're going to cycle
0: I, these guys in and out. Like I'm sure it's going yeah, to be. and I don't.
1: Meadows is not a super defender, but he's a, he's a decent one. He's kind of in the middle there. Yeah, they just have a lot of moving pieces that they have to kind of balance. And obviously, injuries will injuries will take care of some of that because everyone gets hurt sometimes, and that'll you know create more time and space for other people. But there's a lot of moving parts, and I guess that's that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can be I think a little tricky. You know, like how do you how do you balance that all out? How do you balance you know, Renfro plus Meadows plus Kiermaier plus Margot plus Sugo plus Martinez plus Yandy Diaz plus G-Man Choi plus, you know, Brandon Lau plus Nate Lowe plus, you know, on and on and on and on. Like there are so many options that I think at a certain point you almost kind of feel like you wish they could trade some of that surplus or something a little better, like an upgrade at say, I don't actually even know where I'm, I'm not even sure what necessarily would qualify as an upgrade for the race. It's just, There's a lot of competence everywhere. There's no real true superstar on that roster. Well, he's waiting. Wander Franco. In waiting, yes. Wander Franco will be that guy eventually. But right now, so because I think the dude who had the highest upside on that team is Tommy Pham, and they traded him. Um, Because, I mean, Pham is just tools for days, but there's not really that guy anymore right now. Margot has just loud, loud tools, but they, they don't really seem to work for him. And and I think but that I think that leads you into your second point, which is probably that the best guy on that team right now is Austin Meadows. You know, he's that guy who really has that star upside. Um cause I think I think people do forget, like, you know, the focus of that archer trade kind of ended up being now because of the great kind of start to the season he had, which then immediately got a little derailed. But you know, Meadows is Meadows was a big ass top prospect back in the day. He was a top ten pick when he got drafted. You know, he was a he was a guy and still can be, and he's still young. I think he's only like Twelve is awesome, Meadows. Yeah, twenty-four. Wow, he is—he's a baby. I was going to say twenty-six. He's not even there.
0: Right. So that's why I, I just that... I look at him a lot of just like, what is he? Hunter Renfro. I just feel like he's in line for a ridiculous Tampa Bay Rays season. Like Hunter Renfro is just going to do some crazy <laughs> shit in Tampa this year, and it's going to be very annoying.
1: But I, I do think I do think you're right that Meadows is kind of the guy you focus on on that team because it's like they they don't have that true superstar. So if it's nope. if anyone, if you look at that team. Who's going to have that kind of five-plus war season as a hitter? It's it's Meadows. You know, he's got the tools to make it happen, and I think that's probably the difference between the Rays and the. I mean, obviously beyond the, the, the money, and that's. I think that's the difference between the Rays and the Yankees right now is the Yankees have a lot of guys where you look at and you go, you can easily see them putting up an MVP caliber season. You know, Judge, Torres, uh, a healthy Stanton obviously has that capability. Gary Sanchez. You look at the Rays and you're like. Where is it beyond maybe Austin Meadows? You know, is, is G-Man Choi really going to put together a five-war season? Maybe it's the Rays. Weirder things have happened, especially with them. Maybe like, Andy Diaz. Maybe Andy Diaz, but, like, if it's anyone, it's Meadows. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably the—I mean, between that and Garrett Cole, that's probably the difference maker with, with Tampa. I mean, but the thing is, you look at Tampa, and I think— Granted, and I imagine we'll get into this, that— the layoff time now that we're seeing is going to let a lot of those injured Yankees with the obvious exception of Lee Severino get healthy again. And that's going to give the Yankees kind of that edge back that they had initially. But the Rays, I think at a before spring training up got, got canceled, I think we're about like a one in four shot to win the division. That's not bad. You know, I do think that, that, that odd, those odds likely go down whenever the season comes back, because theoretically, at least a lot of those Yankees will be healthy again, but you never know. And I think if it does happen for Tampa, I think you're right. I think it, it goes through Austin Meadows and it goes through that rotation. And that's those are going to be the difference, because those are the guys who have the highest ceilings on that team.
0: So what do you think? What happens? Do you think they win the AL East?
1: No, I think it's still the Yankees. Okay. I mean, we, we, we're we not going to know for sure but until we see like if baseball comes back, what kind of schedule we end up getting and how healthy the Yankees end up being and how healthy they end up staying through the course of the season. But I think the talent is still on the Yankees side, you know. Even even with all those injuries that they had, you know, they were still like a 75% favorite to win the division. They have so much depth. They are just so well run. There's, it's very frustrating. <laughs> Hating the Yankees right now is a really frustrating thing because they're just so well run. Um, but I, I still think it's the Yankees. I, but I think that there is a legitimate shot for the Rays, and I think if nothing else, they have to be a wild card favorite, right there with Oakland. I, I think we probably. I mean, again, who knows? Depending on how the schedule shakes out, but I do think we. You know, if the season were to start today, we would probably end up getting an Oakland-Tampa Wild Card game rematch. I think, but who knows? I mean, also if the season starts today, Justin Verlander's out for like two months, so the A's might win the, the West instead of the Astros. But I think the Rays are definitely a playoff team, though. I don't think they're going to win the division, but I think they have I can't a pretty even good say shot. definite.
0: I think the top end of the AL is so tough that It is,
1: but I just feel like there's not there there isn't really like okay, so you have your your top end is the Yankees, the Twins, the Astros, the Rays, and the A's, right? Those are the five teams I think everyone to I would just say the Yankees the, by themselves.
0: I don't think the okay, Yankees fine, are
1: but yeah. you would agree those five teams are the five best teams in the AL, right?
0: Say it again. Yankees, twins who? Yankees, twins,
1: A's, Rays, and Astros.
0: Yes. The the for me it just feels like the
1: drop from that from that Okay, Yankees by themselves and those next four teams in one tier the drop from that tier down to like Cleveland Boston you know if you want to I include Toronto the Angels, enough, correct, the Angels. I, I, was, I was about to say the Angels but I feel like those four teams are your next tier and that they kind of top out around that like maybe Cleveland has a little more upside than the rest of them at this point and I think Boston actually has real real downside among that group but I don't think any of those teams with the exception of maybe Cleveland are good enough to get to that, to that higher tier. And so I just don't see where that competition comes from for the Rays to lose a playoff spot unless one of Cleveland, Boston, Toronto, or the Angels just is, is surprisingly good. And I still wow. think the Rays are just Shots fired at the Seattle Mariners. Teams. Oh, dear. Again, really glad this is not a Seattle <laughs> Central or West podcast. <laughs>
0: um just dude i was the mariners just there's so many guys in that team that i have no idea who they actually are i'm not
1: sure it's really sad they are a graveyard they are where they actually not even they're a morgue because the bodies haven't even buried yet like
0: (laughs) we talk about the orioles and everything else but like at least the orioles have a plan i'm not sure what the the Mariners the plan. With plan the, I think the plan with the Mariners is something similar,
1: but just kind of they tried to, I think they've tried to do it shorter term because they went for prospects that were a little maybe the ceiling wasn't as high, but where guys were closer to the majors like K.P. Crawford or Justice Sheffield or, you know, the other, whoever else they got in all their various trades. <sighs> I I don't know. I mean, I think the Mariners have a plan. I just don't think it's a very good one, but we'll see. I mean, it's, it's just going to depend on how much work Trader Jerry can do, but
0: yeah, I can't a still a gm there like they just i feel like they just need a huge shakeup. I'm, up um i don't know i think but i feel like that's the case every year and they just miss the playoffs for 20 more years so i don't know and it sucks because there's so many like i want seattle to be good because there's so many great seattle baseball writers that i want to see like meg rally be able to cover uh, a good mariners team in the playoffs and like sullivan and all those guys like i just that's that's what i want like the orioles have great writers i want it's almost like the teams with like the best writers um have like the worst teams
1: yeah sure man the all that all that misery is a crucible for for great writing i think
0: i think it is yeah like covering a bad team is actually more interesting and better for your career um we have to talk about the yankees now all right do you think they lost too much pitching thus far it sounds like no
1: no, if only because, granted, Severino's a big blow, but assuming the start of the season doesn't happen until it does, by that point, James Paxton should be healthy. So they'll have a rotation that's Cole, Paxton, Tanaka, um, Jordan Montgomery, and
0: who am I missing in there? Loga. Loisaga? Yes, that is
1: Loisaga, so that's the five right now? Yes. And then at some point, again, depending on the length of the season, Domingo Herman will come back um, from yeah. his suspension. So that's, they have, obviously, some interesting prospects down. They have Clark Schmidt, who's super interesting. They have Davey Garcia. Um, Michael King was having a pretty nice spring before it all got canceled. Like The, the, the depth is not great. Um, and I think if the season were to have started when it would have started, I think April would have been a little dicey for them. Um, especially if someone else got hurt somewhere in that period. And and that's certainly possible because low Isaac is not, you know, has never been a particularly he, he has some injury issues. Um but I think now, you know, I think this is probably the team, not the this is such a like a crappy topic, but like the idea of like who did coronavirus help essentially. I think the Yankees are definitely one of those teams that benefits um, from a delayed start to the season, because they will get Paxton back if you know if the season doesn't start till end of May, beginning of June. Um, Judge will probably be healthy again. Stanton will probably be healthy. You know, again, separate, losing Severino hurts. Um, there's no way around that one. He is he had the most upside in that rotation beyond Cole, obviously. But I think they have enough pitching now, and I think that's certainly the case too. That if again, depending when the deadline is, depending how the schedule shakes out, that's a team that can make a move for more pitching if they need to. You know they have the prospect depth to move some guys if they want to. You know maybe a guy like Clint Frazier is just permanently on the block. Uh, maybe depending how he plays, Miguel Andujar is someone that they say, you know what, we can live without him. Um, I think they have the pitching now, and I think even if they don't going through the season, they'll find a way to get more of it. So I-, I think the the real disaster for the Yankees would have been if Cole got hurt or if he does get hurt. I think that's the one where you're you really do I mean, that that's a real issue, but. As long as he's healthy, and as long as they have you know minimum four guys, I think they're fine.
0: Yeah, I um, I'm really fascinated to see if DJ LeMahieu is awesome again, back to back years.
1: I don't think he can be that good again, just because I, but I like I either. don't see. But the thing is, like,
0: I, granted, I have the top of their order is LeMahieu and Gardner. Like that is it's intriguing it's to a me. Lot like, of, a lot of, How a long of does contact. that stay? How long does that stay? That's a lot of
1: contact up there. Um. Right. I just think with Granted, I I haven't done a lot of deep diving into LeMahieu's season and kind of what made him great, but I also don't think it was a fluke. I think there's something real there that the Yankees saw that the Rockies did, and I think you should always bet on when a player leaves Colorado and gets better, it's not a fluke. It's that the Rockies missed something because they are a terminally dumb franchise. So, I I mean, I don't know if we can expect DJ LeMahieu to be like a you know, MVP caliber hitter again. I, you know, I feel like that's the kind of thing that happens for most guys, like once or twice a career, unless they're Mike Trout. But I certainly think he can be an above average hitter again. And especially given the versatility he offers, he can play, you know, four different positions. He's, you know, a high contact guy. Like that's the thing. You, you look at the Yankees team, I think, and, and you, you, what is their weak spot right now? Aside from maybe the rotation, depending on when the uh, their health, to shake out. Yeah, it's their health. It's everyone staying healthy.
0: Because otherwise and I just don't think that's realistic. I think a lot of these guys are literally just going to deal with injury issues. Like I and, Aaron Judge and, and John Carlos Stanton, I don't think like both of them are not playing 162 games. Well, I mean, no one's playing 162 games. That's true. Well, I mean, like none of them are playing a full season. Like I think we're getting half out of one of them guaranteed. Like, one of those guys that just like always going to be injured. Look how
1: many guys got hurt last year, and they won 103 games. That's true. (laughs) They have so much depth. They are so loaded. Like, I, you know, I know we, there's, I know no one has done at this point really a a full season preview, because there is no season two preview at this point, but, like, I, I think, like, I can't imagine any, not any, but, like, I, I, they're they're your AL favorite and probably your World Series favorite for a reason. I think everyone in their mind had a Dodgers Yankees World Series in pencil before everything went to crap, because they they are just so loaded, and the biggest thing they needed to do was get a number one caliber pitcher and they did it, and not just a number one caliber pitcher, but arguably, and it's a fun argument, but not one for now. Arguably, the best pitcher in baseball too. You know, I I just I feel like. I feel like if everyone if everyone is relatively well, is relatively healthy, this team runs away with the East, wins the pennant,
0: runs it, away.
1: I think you're so. really maybe out not maybe, maybe the, runs away. You're out on the race. Maybe runs away is a little strong, but I think they win the division. I think they win the pennant, and I honestly do think they. If if you ask me today again, who knows where the season goes? I think they're probably my World Series favorite. First
0: I like the a little I like is uh, who is their Cameron the Maben. Who is their Cameron Mabin this year? Maybe maybe it'll be Cameron Mabin at the deadline. Mm, bring him back. Bring him back. But Let's do it. I, I just
1: <laughs> I just I think that I just like them more in the Dodgers. I think they have a better bullpen. I think they have a you mm. know I think they have a better I mean they have a better top starter. I think they have a slightly deeper lineup.
0: Yeah. I so you like Yankees Dodgers in the in the World Series this year?
1: I do. I think that's. I think that's the matchup that way to go out, out of
0: go out a lib there.
1: I know. I'm really, really going betting against betting against the chalk. But mm. no, I just think those are the two best teams in baseball. And when it comes to me for picking a World Series, doing a during a season preview thing, that's just going to be my default is who are the two best teams in baseball, you know, who's the best team in the AL, who's the best team in the NL. Boom. There's my World Series pick.
0: You know, because I'm I I just feel like, like, like the Dodgers. Just because of how many, like it's just so hard to keep going and losing and keep going and losing and
1: it is. And I think, especially with Mookie Betts on the team, if the Dodgers don't win yeah. the World Series this year, it's never going to happen. But I, I just feel like the Yankees are—it's too a clean. Tiny bit like better. the best
0: teams are not. I, I just, I think the Yankees have a much easier road than the Dodgers too. I think the NL I, is actually I, I going to bloodbath. With, I would
1: agree with that. That I think their only real competition. I mean, the Twins are good. And that that's going to be the Yankees do not fear again. the Twins. <laughs> the Yankees don't fear the Twins. The Twins are good, and that that lineup <laughs> is going to rake top to bottom. But and I I just who knows what the Astros like even beyond the the signs the only stuff and what effect that has. That Astros rotation is super thin.
0: The A's are you the know? most interesting. I think is like a weird threat to them.
1: I like the A's a lot. I just same. Yeah, but either way, I, I I do think the Yankees are the division favorite. I think they're the the pennant favorite. I think they're the World Series favorite because you look at that roster and it's just stacked top to bottom. You know,
0: I just would not be it, surprised it if it's is. Yankees Brewers Yankees Cardinals. <laughs> Yankees, I don't. I, don't I really
1: I really would not bet on an NL Central team winning the pennant. Mm. I think the NL Central winner is going to be like 89 games or whatever the equivalent of 89 games is going to be. that all? Oh, all those teams are just so deeply flawed. That did you I don't see think the Washington
0: Nationals this past season, who just won the World Series? <laughs> fair. They had, fair. Think about that bullpen. We were all just okay, like, "No, which, can't do it." Which
1: NL, which NL Central team has Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin,
0: or an equivalent? True. That's kind of why I, I feel Metsy. Can <laughs> I tell you that? Still feeling a little Metsy. Still love that rotation. I actually the, really the like what is, they did this off season. I like the Mets this the year. The biggest upset. They're fine. The biggest upset of the
1: Mets season so far is that none of them have coronavirus, as far as we know. Really, would not have bet that they would somehow avoid that particular wave. I mean, I, I like obviously the Mets rotation is fun. I like the Mets rotation. I think that lineup has a, a little upside. I think their defense is still really bad, which is a problem. Um, I think they should have given Yasmani Grandal whatever amount of money he wanted. I think that would have made mm-hmm. a, that would have been a really big difference. But you know, the and Mets I worry about
0: bad that. for them. I worry about that bullpen.
1: Cause who knows with Edwin Diaz and I just worry that as always like ownership is not up to the task of you know if they're if this team gets to the deadline you know a game in front in the NL East or two games back to the wild card or whatever somewhere in the middle there are they really going to spend the money necessary to bring in the upgrade that's needed
0: who knows I don't think they have to to be like the Rays of 2019
1: Maybe not, but I feel like the Mets should aim for higher than being a race. They should. You know? I'm not
0: disagreeing, but I think there's an easy path to them being 2019. Race. Oh,
1: sure, yeah. I think if you you don't have to squint all that hard to see the Mets winning like 90 games. It's not that right. difficult. You know? it's just a matter of can they stay healthy? Which <laughs> it's the Mets, <laughs> you know. And
0: but I love the ownership. I love that signing. Will, I love will
1: ownership. Do what it takes. You know, yeah. and the answer to that is eh, it's the Mets.
0: I like their bullpen. So, I like their rotation. I think there's a case that they have the best rotation in the NL. I, I really do. If everything breaks right, I still that could be the best lean, rotation.
1: I still probably lean Dodgers, but I, I, I think that's a definite conversation. I don't think that's a, a, an outlandish claim by any stakes. But I also and, I do like, though, that you have saved – you definitely saved the Red Sox for last in this ALL did. conversation, didn't you?
0: Because <sighs> I figured you'd be exhausted after that part and didn't want to oh talk about anything God. else.
1: What is there to say
0: at a certain point? All right. I mean, I'm. Do you want you want. Do you want you my ready? pick
1: for the? Do you want my pick for the team? That. I, I I would not be remotely surprised if this year's Red Sox, again, depending whatever the schedule is, end up as the equivalent of like a seventy five win team. Mm. They have. I mean, that's not that's not crazy.
0: It's only a ten win drop.
1: They have collapse written all the fuck over. Them. And it's not just a matter of like they lose Mookie Betts, they lose Chris Sale, they lose David Price, they lose, you know, whoever else. They, Alex Cora is not the manager anymore. Or there's clearly punishment they did in 2018. It's just how many psychic blows can a team take before they just kind of fold, you know? All it takes is starting the season like on a four and 10 streak, and you just never recover. Because there's just not enough talent. That's the problem. I, I, I cannot understand how a team that won 108 games in 2018 now has easily one of the five worst rotations in baseball. I, I it, oh boy, I don't even know. Like, right, at sale, that's bad luck. You know, that that's that's just bad luck. There's nothing you can do about that. A guy's blow out their elbows, that shit happens. But it's just that's what connects the whole thing, like, with m- making every attempt to at dump price. As tying him to the Mookie to Mookie bets for that trade, it, it was only for money saving purposes, and now you're in a position where literally Martin Perez is your number three starter. No matter how bad he is this year, you basically cannot take him out of the rotation because you don't have better option. And Brian Johnson is in that rotation right now. He had an ERA over six last year. It's like Ryan Weber, Chris Mazza, Mike Shawarin. Those are not major league caliber pitchers, and yet the Red Sox are going to be asking them to make starts all year long. It's, like, I really would not be surprised if that team finishes below 500. And I knock, well, I, it I depends on guaranteed. who they trade,
0: right? Like, are they done? Is Andrew Benintendi any long anything, for this team?
1: No, is I don't think there's them? anyone left to trade. I think this is... I think this, this they spend this year, this season, whatever, whatever we get out of it. I think they that Heimblum spends a season evaluating who he's got, who's there, who's young. You know, beyond obviously you beyond. You do they would
0: trade JD Martinez. I,
1: I don't know. I just feel like we've already seen how low JD Martinez's trade value is in the past. Yeah. You know, the, granted it was the Tigers and they're they're not very smart, but the Tigers got nothing for him. You know. I, I don't see how the Red Sox get more for him two slash three years later with more money owed to him. Like, especially because Martinez was a free agent to be. Like, you didn't have any worry that, like, oh, he's going to be on the contracts for all that. Like, I mean, look, you, you build around Bogart's endeavors going forward. You know, maybe Benintendi is part of that core, too. And Verdugo, if he's, if he's healthy. Um, and
0: I think Verdugo has to. Good God. Yeah, I mean, if Verdugo is yeah. not a part of your long-term core after that trade, how do you... What? What?
1: Yeah. That's, and, and maybe this Jeter down kid, if you show something and there's a great Cass name for it, top, he does. And then Tristan casts is their top position prospect, you know, Christian Vasquez is a is a decent piece. Like I, I just feel like, I mean, that's your core, but there's nothing really else to move. Like what is, what is someone like Martin Perez really going to get you? Does Nate Yavaldi have any trade value? I don't know. I mean, I know that there's a lot of, like this was a bridge year. This ain't a no bridge year anymore. This
0: is I don't think this it's a bridge. Is, year. I think there's a real chance that they fall off a cliff. It's going to
1: be an ugly season. That that's my that's my guarantee for Red Sox. It's going to be ugly, ugly year. I think miserable to be the whole time. It's only because they No. No, no fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Reasons. If they think that fans that turn around and watch every game with a crappy, crappy product, as they are, understand what they've done to a certain degree, but no, like because the, I think the thing is that this is a whole debate. It's like which which is more painful to watch: a team that can't score runs or a team that can't stop other teams from scoring runs.
0: Um, based on the Orioles from last year, I would say the team that can't stop teams from scoring runs.
1: Second hit, but also can you no know, pitching, like no pitching at all. You know, they're gonna they're gonna. I, I think that they are going to be bottom five in the ma- majors and runs allowed, bottom five in ERA, bottom five in like basically every major pitching statistical category. Because it's not just that they don't have pitchers in their rotation right now; they also have no depth because they're far, you know, intriguing arms, some guys like Darwins and Hernandez or Brian Mada, and they're not ready to be, like, full-time major league starters. So I think that's the problem you run into. That just, there's just going to be a lot of runs given up by that team. There's going to be a lot of really bad, painful innings. There's going to be a lot of Texas Rangers-style, like, 11-7 to games. And you think that might sound interesting. It's like, oh boy, 18 runs. It's a lot of offense. It's a lot of dingers. But like watching that day after day after day is just exhausting, you know? Yeah. And having to watch this parade of crappy pitchers, like Orioles style, just trot out there where you're like, who the hell is this guy? In... It's not <laughs> even so much who is this guy. This is, this is what I wonder with Orioles fans, which was more frustrating. That a guy trotted out there who they're like looking at their scorecard or whatever or, or browsing online being like, I literally don't know who this guy is. Or that this guy comes in and gives up like three runs in two innings. And you're like, he, it doesn't even matter who he is. He's just terrible. <laughs> but it's an endless parade of guys who you both don't know and are also so bad. And I feel like that's what's coming for the Red Sox. Every start that is not Eduardo Rodriguez, every bullpen inning that doesn't go to Matt Barnes or, you know, or, or maybe if he's better now, Ryan Brazier, or maybe Heath Hembry, or guys like that. It's just going to suck. <laughs> it's just going to be really rough. And so I just I just can't sit here and be like, yeah, I'm gonna watch every no 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 like even even beyond the the, the betrayal that is trading with bets, you know, is just the knowledge that with sale down and with no price, this is rotation is gonna be terrible, and they're just gonna give up runs all the time, and it's just gonna be really hard to sit through because it's every inning is gonna take forever, every Red Sox game is gonna take forever to play because they cannot keep runs off the board. Or they won't be able to i should say <sighs> what a mess i i if
0: you're high you feel better
1: no <laughs> <If you're laughs> i'm gloom like you're just sitting there like i traded my best player my best pitcher blew out his elbow my manager is my manager had to get fired because he was involved in a sign stealing scandal that's also going to penalize the team <laughs> what is there to look forward to for 2020 you know even even if Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts and whoever else have great years, they're gonna be wasted because that team's not good enough to be a contender. Which is what always is what I think was the most frustrating part about the Mookie Betts trade, is that they by doing so they guaranteed that that team would not contend. And in the process, guaranteed that the great seasons, if if they got great seasons from Devers and Bogarts and, and whoever else were gonna even matter Chavis, exactly
0: yeah.
1: zero. Like you don't just lower the seat, you don't just lower the floor, you lower the ceiling too and you make it so that there's really no point in playing the season other than you have to. What what in what in realistic difference? What realistic difference is there between the 2020 Orioles and the 2020 Red Sox if they're if if their odds of winning a championship are functionally the
0: same? Um, I don't know, man. I guess it's just the young guys. It's just Bogart, it's Devers, it's Chavis. it's just Vasquez, yeah. like it literally, it's just the young pieces you want to see continue to get better. That's it. You do, but then it's like, but then they've they've
1: wasted a year. They have wasted a year of them, and it, that's just the most frustrating part. It's like there were two. Yeah. and I, I know we talked about this, but right when the Mookie bets trade happened, is that you had two options with Mookie. You either trade him, and you 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 you, you do what the Red Sox did, you trade him, and you try to you know, build in another direction, which, yeah. or you understand this is the last year we have him. If he really is committed to exploring free agency, and we don't think we can re-sign him, go all out. You know, you, you take one last big shot and then you figure it out from there. And I don't know if that's the smart play, but I also know which play I would, I want to see as a fan and it's not the one where they trade Mookie Betts and just kind of shrug their shoulders and, you know, slump over to 82 wins, you know, and whatever else.
0: Yeah. All right, John, I, I can't, um, I can't talk you out of this because I agree with you. It's gonna be bad, and I would not watch a lot of the Red Sox baseball this year. But um, yeah. I, I think this this is therapeutic for you to get that out of your system. We're, we're, we're all better off now. Are we? I don't know. I'm just trying to be I positive. I, I, okay. I'm doing what I can. Yeah, it's, 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 this is you a can time watch more Braves games this year. Uh,
1: this is a time and place to try to be positive because Lord knows we could use some positivity right
0: now. Right. All right, John. Well, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we're able to get a little bit sense of normalcy on this podcast. Talk a little baseball. Hopefully, it comes yeah. back this summer. That'd be nice. Hopefully, will be nice. Yeah. Well, you stay safe, sir. And you uh, too. We'll, we will. We will talk soon. For sure. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, It helps the show continue to grow and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, You can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas writer. Um, for as little as $5 a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at double underscore Thomas. You could go to chase Thomaspodcast.com which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front so if you're not tired of listening to me you can also read me um so that's awesome but uh i think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode Uh, i hope you continue listening that would be great and uh i will talk to you all again very soon thanks guys
1: nicely done nephew